Hello, this is Dr. Lynn McPherson, and welcome to Palliative Care Chat, the podcast brought to you by the online Master of Science and Graduate Certificate Program at the University of Maryland. I'm super excited to have two guests today. Arlen Grad Gaines, who is a licensed clinical social worker with an advanced certification in hospice and palliative social work. She received a Master of Social Work from the University of Maryland, yay, with a specialization in aging. She has worked at Jessa Hospice in Rockville, Maryland for the past 10 years and has developed a specialization in supporting families who have children with special needs around death and dying. Her partner in crime is Meredith Englander Polsky, uh, who also has been working at the intersection of social work and special education for more than 15 years. She founded Matan Inc., I hope I pronounced that correctly, in the year 2000, recognizing a significant gap in the Jewish community's ability to include children with special needs and their families. And the reason we're doing this podcast today is because these ladies have written the most amazing book and they have fulfilled an unmet need in children's grief and special needs literature by publishing the book, I Have a Question About Death, a book for children with autism spectrum disorder or other special needs. It was published in March of this year, 2017. The book was a runaway bestseller. It's the number one new release on Amazon in its category in the first few weeks after release and was recently awarded a bronze medal by Moonbeam Children's Book Awards. The next book in their series is I Have a Question About Divorce will be released in February 2018. So ladies, welcome. I'm super excited you're with me today. Thank you. Oh. We're so excited to be here. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. Well, I uh, thank you for a copy of your book, and I, I read it a couple of times, actually. I found it very interesting. But I guess first, if we could just start off with, what the heck is autism? We've all heard the word. I think everything I know about autism, I learned from that new TV show, The Good Doctor. So maybe you could introduce the topic for us. Sure. So I like the good doctor. I think the autism community, it's, there's mixed reviews. But uh, so autism spectrum disorder is the name for a group of developmental disorders. Uh, it includes a wide range. It's a spectrum disorder. So there's a wide range of um, symptoms, skills, levels of disability. So we always say if you meet one person with autism, you meet one person with autism. Um, People with autism are affected um, by ongoing uh, social challenges that include difficulty communicating and interacting with others. Uh, oftentimes you'll hear about people with autism uh, have trouble making eye contact. Uh, they might have repetitive behaviors. They might, have, they might perseverate on certain um, activities or interests. Um, and it really varies um, from person to person, sort of um, how, how it presents and, and how they're affected by it. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is a person with autism, not an autistic person. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, my training really taught me to use people-first language so that a disability never quite defines a person. I will say, though, that there are plenty of people with disabilities in the disability community who actually feel the opposite. So um, I think it's important to represent that viewpoint as well. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. So why this topic? What brought you to this subject of autism and grief, and why is this relevant? So I've been working, as, as you mentioned, at Jessa Hospice for a number of years, and I just noticed over the years that many of the children and grandchildren of the people we were caring for were on the autism spectrum or had other special needs, and many of the families were struggling with 
trying to find appropriate resources and good books um, to help support them through death and dying. And the lack of literature on death and dying for people who are very concrete thinkers really became even more apparent to me personally when my own grandmother died about six years ago. And I couldn't find appropriate books on the subject that I felt approached death and dying in a very direct manner for my own kids. Most of the books that we see for children on this topic, um, as you probably know, use animals as the main characters instead of people, mm -hmm. or often use metaphors that are out of reach for children with special needs. So I did a lot of research and I discovered there really was a true gap in children's literature on this subject. Um, I knew I needed some help and so I approached um, Meredith, who I've known for a long time, about mm -hmm. collaborating on this project. You know, I agree with you. I know when my grandfather died, my daughter was four, and I was kind of in a tailspin of what to tell her. Should she come to the funeral? Um, you know, how do we explain this to her? And I did turn to the grief and bereavement colleagues that I work with in hospice, and they were quite helpful. But um, what are some other ways in which children with autism spectrum disorder or other special needs process grief and loss? It's got to be, there, there probably is a difference, I would imagine. Yeah, in, in some ways there's a difference and in some ways there's not. You know, a lot of kids um, would understand potentially death a little bit better, um, you know, in really concrete terms rather than in metaphorical terms. But certainly children with autism spectrum disorder or other special needs often process information in a very concrete manner. So as Arlen was saying, commonly used uh, metaphors and ways of explaining death and dying simply don't work. They just can't make that connection between an animal or an inanimate object um, and the death of somebody in their life. Um, they may have a lot of difficulty with um, the abstraction of death and dying. Um, I think, you know, just it, it's sort of naturally an abstract concept, right? We don't actually know what happens after a person dies. Um, we know sort of scientifically what happens. Um, and the other thing specifically for, for kids who are dealing with the death of someone in their life is that their daily routine may be really disruptive, disrupted, excuse me, uh, depending on, you know, who it is in their life that died. And that change in routine, that need to make uh, quick transitions is especially difficult uh, for kids with autism and lots and lots of other types of special okay. needs. Um, they also, you know, something else we address in the book is that kids with autism may have difficulty understanding and interpreting emotions, right? They don't necessarily read social cues in the way that other children might be able to. And so, you know, you might be at a funeral and somebody might be laughing because somebody's telling a funny story about the person who died. Well, that can be really confusing mm -hmm. if we're telling kids that death is a sad thing and we're really going to miss the person and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing I would say is that, you know, a lot of kids with autism and, again, lots of other kinds of special needs um, often process information in a really visual way. Um, so the, the more that we can provide them with visual cues for what's going on, uh, the more they'll be able to um, connect with the information and really um, understand what's happening.
I like how in the book you say, use the word died, grandma died, and instead of saying grandma is sleeping, which I recall uh, learning myself when my grandfather passed away for my daughter, um, I can imagine that would be pretty confusing. So are there any other practical strategies that you can provide parents and caregivers and professionals in supporting children with autism spectrum disorder or other special needs? Well, absolutely, and I think you hit the nail on the head on our big first one, which really is use direct language. We often try, as you mentioned, try to soften the topic and cushion it for kids with softer language, thinking that we're trying to help, but indeed it really does make it more confusing. And you mentioned, um, you know, going to sleep, but sometimes we'll say they've passed away or they're gone or they're in a better place, even things like they live around us in, the, in our hearts beautiful, beautiful concepts, but completely confusing for um, many of these children who are very concrete thinkers. Um, going back to a little bit about um, what Meredith was mentioning, we certainly want to prepare um, these children for the range of emotions both they and other people might be experiencing. So we might be preparing them that some people might be crying, and we expect that. They are missing the person who died. And as Meredith had mentioned, how confusing is it when they see maybe someone's laughing? Well, they're laughing because they're remembering a nice or funny story about the person. So helping kind of explain some of those things and what to expect. One of the other really important practical strategies is to think about some of the sensory-based implications um, as to when someone dies. Everything is mixed up. So many people might be around. It might be loud. There might be a lot of people trying to hug them. Everything is disrupted. So thinking about what has worked in the child's life previously and incorporating those strategies during this time. Maybe they need a break in a quiet place. Maybe they need a preferred toy or some sort of fidget. Um, whatever they might need to help them cope with the sort of overwhelming sensory um, experience. And then as with any child, thinking about the use of structure and routine. So thinking again about things that are important in the child's life on a day-to-day -day basis and trying to incorporate that routine in, letting them know what they might expect and what's going to come. Um, you know, there are different ways we can help prepare a child if they're coming to the funeral, um, what they might expect to see, what it might look like. Um, mm -hmm. So um, just thinking about the structure and routine and, and holding on to that as possible because it's very comforting. Okay, that makes sense. Um, you know, when I read the book, and again, I've read it several times, I saw that you you wrote the whole book with pictures, but then you retold the whole book pretty much with pictures really being the focus. So this short picture story, can you explain what's that all about and how can this be an effective strategy in working with children with special needs? Absolutely. So a short picture story is a really commonly used tool um, in special education settings. Um, and regular education settings. I always say special education is just really good education, so it's a valuable tool for, for all kids. You know, sometimes children need less talking at them, fewer words, and a concrete way to wrap their minds around a particular concept. So uh, for children who may be less verbal or even for children who just want to go back and sort of review the story on their own, review particular concepts, uh, they can go back and really focus on the images um, rather than, you know, sort of like the wordiness of, um, you know, a typical book. So they can sort of be self-sufficient in that regard, or they can just read the short picture story with a grown-up in their life um, and have sort of 
fewer words coming at them uh, and be able to better understand the concept. The illustrations that we used, uh, we contracted with a company called Symbol Sticks, and we chose them because the images are specifically not abstract. Mm -hmm. uh, as you probably saw when you were looking at the book, they really don't leave a lot to the imagination. At the same time, it's not uh, depicted as a boy or a girl or a grandma who died or a grandpa who died. Um, it really uh, hopefully leaves open all the various possibilities so that a child can really see themselves in the story and again make it that much more concrete for them. Mm -hmm. and I'll just add, you know, as a social worker, I'm always thinking about ways to support people based on their strengths. And we know many children with special needs are highly visual and process information best in that manner. So the use of a short picture story can tap into that strength and support them along those lines. Sure. And I mean, as an educator myself, certainly we all recognize that special needs aside, some people prefer to read and learn, and some people prefer pictures or verbal or whatever. So I think it's important to cater to different learning styles. Well, I think these are all awesome strategies, but, you know, I can't help but wonder, are they also effective, are they only effective for children with special needs? That's my favorite kind of question. Because like I said earlier, my belief is that special education is just really good education. And if we're implementing tools that will benefit kids with special needs, then we know that those tools uh, will be effective and accessible for all children. Uh, we really believe that strategies that work well for kids with special needs enhance the learning of all kids. And focus groups of kids with and without special needs have responded well to the book, um, really appreciating the direct nature and mm -hmm. feeling like it answers their questions. Um, you know, I have a daughter who is typically developing, and when she was about six, my aunt died. And we, we spent a lot of time talking about it, and, you know, we were, we were very open about what had happened. And, and for days, she really seemed to be struggling and really thinking about things and you know I tried to talk to her about it in different ways tried various books and things like that and and finally I said you know you know what like what's going on and she said well I don't want to die and I said no I, I don't want I said I don't want you to die either I said but what are you really worried about and you're going to laugh, but she said, I don't think I could stay still for that long. Oh. You know, so this was just a, a, you know, maybe a younger child or just a child who does think very concretely. Um, and it never would have occurred to me that, you know, in the explanations that we were giving her, that was, you know, sort of an insurmountable concept. Um, and it was really helpful in sort of, you know, allowing myself to be in her shoes and, and sort of recognize how this all sounded to her. Yeah. Um, you know, we've also heard a lot from early childhood educators um, that they were really, you know, struggling to recommend books to parents that were, you know, accessible to young kids also. And so we hope that this will bridge a gap in that market. Absolutely. I mean, I think I'm always, I continue to be surprised when I've not explained something clearly, not only to children, but to adults, how people will fill in with misinformation that can be very alarming. So I'm sure that may be going on with children as well, particularly those with special needs. 
Well, ladies, I think you've done a wonderful job here. I think you've provided a wonderful resource for hospice and palliative care programs and all kinds of practitioners. So I would urge all hospice and palliative care teams to get this book and keep it in your resource library. And certainly you can share this with families. And I think it certainly fills a unique niche. Ladies, is there any last comment you would like to make about your wonderful book? We just so appreciate the opportunity to um, to to be on this podcast, and um, thank you for all you do and all the good work you do. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. So I'd like to thank again uh, Arlen Gaines and Meredith Polsky for their wonderful conversation and their book. I have a question about death, a book for children with autism spectrum disorder or other special needs, which is certainly available on Amazon.com. Amazon is the bomb. If Amazon doesn't have it, you don't need it. And if I don't buy something every day, they worry I fell in a hole. So signing off, this is Dr. Lynn McPherson, and this presentation is copyright 2017, University of Maryland. For more information on our completely online Master of Science and Graduate Certificate in Palliative Care, or for permission requests regarding this podcast, please visit graduate.umaryland.edu forward slash palliative. Thank you.